0: like Murphy is here mm-hmm. I don't think we're gonna get any Jays talking today
1: good I've got two yeah. hours of it later and there yeah. was no game yesterday so it's it's going on four hours oh. of I worked in a little bit of Raptors draft stuff yesterday um, it, actually we, we talked about Grady Dick was one of the two guys hey. that we teed up it was Grady Dick and Kobe Bufkin so hey.
0: who did I say to everyone and Danielle is still back there too Everybody that I could have my draft conversations with privately, who
1: is JD's guy? Actually, in our phone conversation, it was Grady Dixon. Yeah, well, there was
0: one. (laughs) There was one slip up when I did call him Grady Dixon. It's okay. Which was not a a great
1: look for me. But no, no. But it's also like it's you. Like you particularly missing the easy joke name?
0: Yeah. Well, here's the other thing that I am going to really struggle with too. You know me; I always, I actually am a sneaky struggler with names. I do remember even when I was in sports media college, people going, "There's just no way you're going to be able to do this because you butcher names constantly, like a, like like a 75-year-old." Where I just I can't keep them together. I just I will fumble names constantly. But Look at no, you now, I. I love the Raptors pick. I got. I want to go through a lot of different things today. Um, just the draft in general, kind of the state of the Raptors after the draft, uh, whether or not we're disappointed by that. Uh, what time you actually go to bed during the NBA draft? Blake Murphy, you know,
1: stays up and watches all those second-round pick <laughs> trades that confuse. I have to. I have to wait for yeah. the second-round pick trades to be done to. before. Well, I had the file last night. Yeah,
0: but no one's waiting for the piece going, you know what, the, Which, how many second-round picks does Celtics get in 2042? No,
1: but it, it is Raptors relevant. So one yeah. of the changes in the new CBA is there, there are actually more benefits now to... You know, in years past, it's like, oh, use a second round pick on Fred Van Vliet or sign him as an undrafted free agent. There's not a lot of difference. They've actually changed that now to try to add some value back to second round picks. So had they traded in for a late one, it does change things like tiny, tiny, but not really. I I was kind of thinking that the Raptors
0: were going to trade in for a late first when there was a, yeah, there was a decent amount of talent that ended up sliding into the draft. Um, But anyway, what, let's just start with this. Grady Dick is the pick. It's the dick pick. Yeah. It's just, it. It, just, it is what it is. There's yeah. going to be a lot.
1: Solicited in this case. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, it was a solicited dick pic. It was very much that. This is going to, I wonder what the counter is going to be on this today. Uh, and how, how many people, I think I was involved in, I'm going to say conservatively mm, 12 to 14 different either threads or direct messages with people going back and forth swapping those jokes like I, <laughs> I I'm very 12 prepared. Or 13, yeah, yeah I left, no,
1: I'm very prepared I left so many on the floor too because yeah. you don't want to spam them you, you left just your want dick on the floor yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, the, it, it's in the cutting room yeah okay yeah. um All right, good it's, to know. Uh, yeah but you don't want to spam them you want to you want to save them and roll them out and yeah slowly it, it,
0: it, I kind of used up a base yeah. I was a volume shooter last night in the, in the text I was just I was volume
1: shooting non-stop so anyway what do you think of the pick yeah, I like it. I, yeah. He was an absolute number one on my board at that point. I, I think I would have leaned Kobe Bufkin um, slightly. You guys, Raptors, the Raptors hardcores. You guys were so weird for Kobe Bufkin. With, goes, guys with funk. Guys no, who like play like... between the tempos and like a super high finishing rate at the rim as far as a young guard goes. Lefty. But like we're also, we're talking splitting hairs, right? Like okay. this draft was very much about if you if you listen to draft nerds and stuff, you know, once you get past the Thompson twins, yeah. it's a draft of like, okay, well, from six to 20, order them whatever way you want yeah. and you can't really argue with it. So, you know, at that point, Whitmore had become interesting because he was sliding mostly due to medical red flags. Mm. Um, a little bit due to, you know, can he help you now, or can he help you three years down the line? Um, so mm-hmm. that one, Ivoni killed him to me. Yeah,
0: when he said he has intensity issues, I uh, on oh, the old and, JD draft board. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm so gone.
1: Vassini had him ranked three, but Vassini's write yeah. up on him—you would have thought he was ranked like forty because it's like the the processing of the game. You're having a hard time with that coffee. I, know, I gotta drink it like a bird. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta like lap it up. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to distract yeah, you. Right. With that. You're a bird.
1: I am a bird. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, so the Grady Dick pick is is, is a very good one. Yeah. He is one of the guys who – now, you, you can get into traps sometimes with the draft for drafting for immediate need because what most rookies, especially once you get out of the first couple picks, are not – Contributing instantly and rosters change so much that you don't necessarily need to draft for what fits right now. Mm -hmm. I think in the case of Grady Dick, he does a little both his offensive game is absolutely something that this roster lacked last Mm -hmm. year, the ability to shoot at a high level and a high volume, the ability to get that shooting off of movement, Mm -hmm. um, which is really important. We saw Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. Even though you know that's not the most natural two man pairing, Works. when, when Scotty was initiating, Gary Trent Jr. In like dribble handoff scenarios and like, hey, give me the ball and then go get open off a screen or something, they had a nice chemistry. I think Grady Dick fits really well offensively in the sets where Scotty Barnes is initiating. I completely agree. That's what I'm most excited for. And then he's a not, he's a good passer as well, which is like. Mm-hmm. I don't anticipate they're going to have him run, pick, and roll or anything. But when you hear Darko talk about .5 basketball and turning small advantages into slightly larger ones, I think he fits in that regard as well. He should be pretty plug-and-play with this team. Maybe not like a huge minutes guy right out of the gate, but offensively, mm-hmm. he's going to work. He's going to fit. He's going to be in the eight-man rotation, I would imagine, yeah. just for the offensive spark. The questions with him and where the upside questions come in.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to just stop. What, yeah. what are the upside questions? Just finish that. I just want to make sure that we end up hitting more on some of the stuff. Uh, the offensive fits with the reps. What were you going to say? The well, just,
1: thing? There are questions on the defensive end, oh, and, buddy, and yeah. it's not that he's going to be Duncan Robinson. He mm-hmm. has a better defensive foundation. The fact that you're six foot eight, when we talk about shooting specialists and things like that, and he's not a specialist. He's better than a specialist. But what keeps you on the floor? What keeps you from you know getting the Duncan Robinson treatment of you're not going to play for ten or fifteen games? Well, he has size. He moves his feet pretty well, and then some of the processing stuff we're talking about in the offensive end translates to the defensive end. So I think there's a path to him being. Average on defense if they work with him and things things click I've talked to a couple draft people who think he could be even a little better than average Um, I I think that's probably an unfair bar to set for a guy who's going to You know be asked to do a lot offensively right away and he's gonna be the guy when he's on the floor Like he's probably the guy you're hiding or or putting on the guy in the in the weak corner or something like that He's dead
0: Um, on defense. I I watched his uh, I've watched a lot of tape on this kid and the amount of blow-bys that he has and just off-balance closeouts that he tries to make. It's, yeah, it's it's yeah. lengthy, let's just say.
1: I I, I'm they're... telling you, they think there's a path to him yeah. being an average defender with the combination of size and he reads yeah. the game kind of well.
0: Well, he's got good hands. He averaged over a steal and a half in college. But I also think that part of that byproduct is that he was getting driven on so many times yeah. that...
1: So it's a Gary kind of, Trent Jr. St- steal step. Yeah, it's
0: it's like it's his only defense. Well, Gary Trent Jr. is more of like a passing lane jumper who ends up screwing over his teammates when he actually misses it. Rather than the the thing that I saw with Dick is that he he's very quick with his hands. Like he's just got very good ones when guys are driving on him and he comes in as a help defender. He's just he's good with it, but that can make him a little foul prone. I don't see a guy that's ever going to be a good defensive player. It's just hard given. The the instincts don't look great. The footwork is tough. The body—he's tall, but man, there's some videos of guys getting down in the post on him, and it's a nightmare. That's it's an automatic. You need to bring a double team.
1: But- and the, this is where too, you know, you get into well, some guys are going to respond really well to getting into an NBA strength and conditioning program, and you know the hip mobility and stuff like that. Some guys click sure. with that stuff. Some guys don't, and that's why I think a reasonable bar is like, yeah, if you can get him to an average defender, you're you're thrilled about that. Because the offense there at 13, if he can, he he just has to defend enough to stay on the floor. Yeah. What I, the offense is obvious. Yeah. I love the release. He, he releases the ball from
0: high. Blake mentioned it. He's six foot eight and he's, it's just, the release is so quick and it's the same every time he can shoot on the move. He can shoot the step back. He can, uh, he can shoot sidesteps. He can shoot movement threes. He can shoot mid range. He's even got a little bit of a runner. Like, this guy was 54% from three last year off the dribble, which led div one. He is an elite shooter. Like there's no screwing around with any of that. And the thing that I think you mentioned is the most important thing. I, the Raptors actually do have a history. It was funny because I think when most people think about Masai picks, they think of Bruno Caboclo and Siakam, right? Like lottery ticket guys, freak athlete dudes who you're hoping can pivot and turn into NBA guys. But he's actually got like a pretty lengthy track record of drafting for need and fit. Like DeLon Wright, that's a need and that was a need and fit pick with a low floor, like low ceiling it was a guy was a senior, right? DeLon Wright, when they drafted him was how old? Like he was like already 22 years
1: old. Yeah. But he, he'd done two Juco years. So he technically only played at Utah for right. two years, but, yeah. but he was an older player. Same thing. Jakob Pertle was a low floor guy,
0: high floor, low ceiling, sorry, yeah, high floor, low ceiling guy where they ended up making the safe pick. Same thing with really like Malachi Flynn. I know he's been a bust, but that was supposed to be a pick where they went, all right, high floor, lower ceiling, some kind of debated some of those things. So to me, this pick for Masai, it kind of feels like a bit of a combination between the Purtle pick and the OG pick where the right guy fell to you a little bit later in the draft than you expected him to be, kind of like OG, but fits more of the Purtle mode where it's, an, it's a fit that works right now and a guy that I just, I don't see not having a lengthy NBA career. The upside to me is not tremendous, but the fit with the actual roster is spectacular with him and Scotty Barnes. Like, uh, if you go look at the way Kansas used Grady Dick on offense, Scotty Barnes and him are going to be just the the best of pals when the two of them play together. I think that they both have the instincts. And, like, you mentioned the passing. Mm -hmm. I actually love seeing the passing because they're both tall, right? Like, this isn't just, like... This was the thing I was talking to Daniele about like Daniele turn on your mic because I want you to weigh in on this pick too. Cause yeah, Daniela is like our resident number one draft guy who watches college ball more than anybody coaches high school at a high level. Like when, when I see Grady Dick, what I really like and what separated him from me from guys like Hawkins is just simply that size because the playmaking looks so important for being able to find other guys. And, man, Raptors offense is tough to watch at times. Ball can stick with this group. Now, all of a sudden, having Scotty Barnes and Grady Dick, two guys who are pretty unselfish, one guy who can knock it down from anywhere and just moves the ball quickly out of his hands, I, I really do think that this is going to have an, a real impact on the Raptors offense, like, immediately.
2: Get ready for a lot of DHOs. That's mm-hmm. what you're looking at. And that's what he did really well at Kansas, to your point, J.D., It's a lot of movement without the basketball. You know, the other thing that, and uh, I think you alluded to it in terms of him off the dribble and his shooting... Now, oddly enough, I feel vindicated. We had one of the assistant coaches from Kansas come on. He talked about yeah, the biggest thing is the the, the biggest attribute here is the shooting, no question. Yeah, no, the no weaknesses doubt. are glaring. Like there are weaknesses oh, and The he's, defensive
0: weaknesses he's, are bad. He,
2: and even he himself, as a guy who coached him and loves him, is yeah. was cognizant of it and talked about how the defense. he watched is, him
0: get attacked every hundred percent.
2: Defense was an issue, and the other thing was the handle and creating space in his own shot. So it's a lot of it's a lot of get ready for running off the screens and DHOs because that's where he's going to excel. Now, it makes a lot of sense. I think D-H-O, it's perfect. by the
0: way, for our audience triple it's triple handoff. handoff.
2: It's perfect for Scottie Barnes because how many times have you seen them do that within the floor of their offense yeah. historically? And now they're going to have an even more fluid offense with a guy that wants guys to make quick decisions. The ability to pass over the top with the size and his quick release it makes a lot of sense. The one aspect I thought was really interesting about him too, you got, when you're a good shooter, you attract hard, aggressive closeouts. That's what makes him such a good shooter, quote unquote, off the dribble. It's just the shot fake and one dribble to yep. the side and hitting a three. That's why that number is so high. But you can't question this guy is just knocked down sharpshooter. The size is intriguing. It's to your point. I don't think you can really miss on term in terms of him being a long term NBA player because this, that skill in particular is so elite that no. he's going to have a role long term. He's, he's going to play long. He's 100%. he's going to
0: he's going to play till he's 37, 38 years old. Like, that, that is the type of player that the Toronto Raptors just drafted. If you are, like I said, a high ceiling, take a shot, trying to get a superstar kind of draft person, this wasn't your pick. No, you'd probably go Whitmore at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. This was not your pick. There were there were multiple guys actually probably still on the board there that had higher upside than this guy. I, I just think what the Raptors have not had for the last couple of years is shooting. And they've also been lacking on the basketball smarts, basketball IQ side. Why do you think when they brought Pirtle in, all of a sudden the team looks so drastically different? It was just like, oh, a guy who actually knows how to play in the pick and roll. And can set a screen. And who can set a screen and who actually knows what he's doing and when to get rid of the basketball. Now, all of a sudden, the Raptors have a foundation here, assuming they do re-sign Pirtle. Of, yeah, some guys with size, some guys who know how to play make and some guys who know how to play off the ball. There's three guys now. I like that.
1: Yeah. And so to Daniele's point about the dribble handoffs, Raptors were bottom 10 in volume with those last year, even though after the trade deadline, they had a Jakob Pertl, who's pretty good in those situations. Not a handle and DHO, but a Mm. uh, pass to him, one hard dribble at the elbow, help your guy clear space, kind of the Jokic Murray version uh, of a dho and then scotty barnes is very very good in those situations i mentioned mm-hmm. the Trent thing and grady dick maybe he won't be the shooter that gary trent is right away and certainly not the step back artist gary trent is right away yep. but being a better passer in those scenarios has an additive effect the other thing is that i mean one you can more comfortably explore Gary Trent trade scenarios now and still have some shooting, but shooting is not a diminishing returns thing. If you have multiple guys on the floor Mm -hmm. who can move without the ball and be shooting threats and carry, carry that threat through movement that helps space everything out. So if you have, a grady dick and gary trent lineup and you have that extra layer uh, of spacing and ability to hey we can run this this action on this side of the floor with dick or this side of the floor with trent it opens up some of the options that darko is going to have available to him and, and you know shooting is never redundant having more guys who can shoot and move and in dick's case where trent doesn't have the passing he does have a little bit of the passing chops uh, yeah. I, I think it has it's the potential to yeah yeah i'm Try to be positive about yeah. Grady, not negative about Gary yeah, here, saying, you know? Uh, um, the first nice pass that uh, no. Gary Trent
0: Jr. makes will be the first one I, yeah. I see.
1: Yeah, he's always the league leader in fewest turnovers yeah. because you can't turn over a shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, anyway, I, just, I think there's potential for a guy like that to have an additive effect on an offense. Not that he's going to solve everything in the half court, but... He, easy to find lineups for him, easy to find play types for him and easy to find ways where he doesn't have to eat off of someone else's plate. It just kind of makes everything easier for, for the ball handlers and the main guys. So a couple things though, is it actually
0: does make it easier when you're talking about Gary Trent, junior trades. I think we all know that that guy is not likely to be a Toronto Raptor long term. Maybe he is up until the deadline, but it's, it's hard to envision a scenario where the Raptors are giving him a long term extension for me. Anyways, I I just, I, I have a tougher time seeing the fit, both with the money and with the player. And same thing goes for if they decide to move off of OG and Anobi. Now you have a little bit more wing depth, another guy who can shoot corner threes. Like, it it just does give you a little bit more flexibility when you're looking at the long-term health of your roster or the long-term future. So you're right. It's not redundant. The Raptors certainly need more shooting. But, yeah, it does give them a little bit of flexibility. I will say this, though, too, is, man, it... It is a tough reminder being excited about a pick like this, not to go overly negative, but how, Hey, you know what? First round picks are nice. Raptors gave theirs up last year to, so that they could have a player who legitimately could not get on the floor for them. And Thad Young missed out on a first round pick and next year don't have one. And like, you're trying to look at the young foundation of this team and say, wow, you got Scotty Barnes, you got Gray Dick and it's just kind of like, okay, you can start to see these things come together. And Jakob Purtle's not that old, right? And you go, okay, maybe you can have a foundation of a thing. And then it kind of, it just, it's tough. It, it is a bit of a reminder that that's what these guys have done. They're going to have one first round pick in three years because of Jakob Purtle and Thad Young. Two San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, not the, the best thing. I'm also, I want to say signs of growth for me personally. I, first I saw Grady Dick's TikToks. And I almost had an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very difficult time. I had a very difficult time watching the TikToks. I don't... Did, okay, I had to settle in. Maybe it's because I work with Gen Z, Jobo over here. But he's not really a TikTok guy. Pete was a TikTok guy.
1: Yeah. But,
0: was? Past tense? Uh, I think he still loves TikTok, but he's not... I don't think he's as active. Oh, I thought Pete, like, passed away or something. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Breath no. Breath in Oh, my god, Breath <laughs> no. in peace. He's Pete. very much alive. Uh, but I will say that... I, if I was Masai Bobby, I would be going, no TikToks until you're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, no TikToks for a while. He's got to – I will say, out of all my concerns, defense by far number one, okay? Like, he's going to get attacked – the NBA, the, again, the, the blow buys that were happening in college. Welcome to the NBA, kiddo, where it's not going to be a fun time for you. They're, hey, guess what? The guys are quick. They have better handles. They're stronger. They're bigger. It's not going to be an easy transition for him on that end. Number two concern is TikTok, but I'm not as I. I woke up this morning. He's just having fun. I'm trying to do. I'm trying yeah, to do he's that. He's 19. Speech. It's like, a lot of TikToks, man. It is, a lot, it's a, so
1: lot, it is I, a lot of TikToks. I know nothing of TikTok of that world. All I know is that it's also a Scotty Barnes thing. So like maybe there's some of sort of Scotty Barnes is big on TikTok too. Apparently, I don't know. Uh, it's it is a lot of young players. Yeah, like most of them make TikToks because it's an easy way to get brand deals and stuff like that. Yeah, which get your money absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to uh, an easy
0: way to get brand deals. This is the way we're spinning it. I feel as though that's what I'm saying. I don't know, like they try ads and stuff all the time. We
1: can can call it what it is with Grady Dick, is he is a theater kid who happened to be really good at basketball. Like, I think between the TikTok stuff and the, like, the dances that the Kansas team would do and wearing a jacket that's an ode to Dorothy, like, yeah, yeah, I was a theater kid who played sports also. I know what that vibe is like, and he's that. Daniela, you know anything about the off-court stuff with him?
2: Nah, not particularly. I can't say I'm a big TikTok user either. Yeah. Uh So I mean we gotta we gotta defer to Jobo on this one yeah. in terms of his expertise. <laughs> I don't have the expertise. Jobo, of Jobo
0: already did it. He already said he yeah. was like he's doing it for brand deals. Oh my I, don't, God,
1: okay. <laughs> I don't think that this is a guy who's. Doing I'm saying this for a lot of business. young players. It's a side effect of what happens. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, it can go viral. Anyway, really
0: I just yeah. There was when the compilation hit m- minute like six. Oh yeah. I'm like all right. <laughs> That's I, I That's did not make it halfway through that I was like I, was like I got the idea okay, Here's the thing I didn't the first time And then I rewatched it Because it kept, it kept popping up on the social media feed And I went okay This is clearly a different level of TikTok love Than young guys like Jobo saying Because if Rosillo is retweeting it and basically multiple big NBA accounts are sharing that mm-hmm. that selection of clips, I went, oh, okay, so this does stand out. The guy tick, loves TikTok. He's a, a, a big-time TikToker. I'm just saying. it's a. I I wonder if that, yeah, I don't love it. <laughs> don't, Number two concerned. <laughs> I was very, very, very into the pick and I was completely <laughs> unaware of the TikTok part of this.
1: And look, historically, the Raptors like guys who are not that, right? Like like the fact that OG yeah. has posted once ever, and it was to pro, like to promote his like Gillette that. thing. <laughs> yeah. I think the Raptors <laughs> yeah. like that too. Pascal like basically that. once every six months is like uh, doing it for you, Dad, and prove them. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's it. And then Fred never posted until to your point he got all the brand deals, and now it's like I don't know. Does your is your daughter sponsoring sponsored by Amex? Like what <laughs> yeah. is going on here on the uh- Scotty posts a lot. That's like kind of the outlier. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I'm He's saying this kid, is though. this is kind of a newer thing. They have uh, I don't think it's actually something they care about. But like Norm didn't post, Delon didn't yeah. post. They they just they haven't embraced posters until very recently. Co- here's here's what I would say about it.
0: I, I like well, obviously we're joking around. Yeah. But you would rather have someone who doesn't post than who posts every day, right? I think that's pretty clear. Distraction, all equal, yeah. Per yeah. 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 yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All things being equal, I think we could all it's agree. just an that. extra factor to
1: get drawn into, you yeah. know.
0: I think we could all agree that had the jacket been the only story
1: about wanting attention <laughs> last night, we would have gone. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we just can't <laughs> do the like. We just can't go down the path of, like, if he has an 0 for three three point shooting game. Like, Patrick Patterson shouldn't watch movies. He should be in the gym 24 (laughs) hours a day. It's like, okay, well, his body would die, and he wouldn't be healthy enough to play. You got to have some sort of outlet. But, yeah, it's... uh, No,
0: I like the guys where their only outlet is the sport. Basketball. Uh,
1: Yeah. But you you have to do something. Like, mentally, like, every... Any team with like a uh, sports like games, college, quietly that's in your it. room. we don't need to see what you're doing. Yeah, we don't need to see your dances. Yeah, exactly. You can yeah. dance all yeah, you want yeah. in private. Exactly. Well, do you remember yeah. what happened to Juju Smith-Schuster? <laughs> that yeah, whole thing. Perfect. I don't. I don't post my theater yeah. kid yeah, instincts exactly. on on TikTok. You don't think we
0: all dance in here? All right. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah secretly,
1: sing in the shower, yeah, all private. these things. Yeah. Of course.
0: Oh, God, there's nothing worse than singing in the shower and then realizing someone heard you the whole time. You're like,
1: ugh In what scenario are you singing in the shower and not aware someone else is around? Well, you know, I, I frequent other showers. I'm not just, you don't, you never been in a house before?
0: You never grew up in a house with a family? <laughs> never been yeah, but house I'm aware that other people <laughs> oh, are there. Oh, no, man. You think you've got the whole house to yourself. You're showering. Oh, wow. You're having a time. I, I think and I had And then all of a sudden your sister bangs on the door long. like bang, bang, like, hey, I need to use the bathroom. You're like, no. huh. <laughs> no,
1: I had, I had roommates
0: I too long. ass <laughs>
2: charged. It yeah. might happen today for me, Blake. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, in a few you. hours when I go home.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a tough one. Okay, so moving on to the next thing. So, by the way, do you agree with me that this is kind of a... Like in Masai's track record of picks, this actually does fit with a lot of what Masai has done. And I called it the combination of OG and the Purtle picks Yeah, where a guy slid a little bit. Didn't happen as drastically as OG didn't have injury concerns, but it was a guy that in that spot kind of felt obvious from a fit standpoint and a, just uh, a value standpoint in yeah. the draft.
1: And he has a very clear role now right, and, like and over the next, say, four years, over the life of the rookie-scale contract, you can kind of project what he's going to look like, which is fine. I mean, it's yeah. it makes sense if you are moving it down the line and rebuilding a little bit because he's such a good natural fit offensively with what Scotty does well. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense if you're going to run things back and try to compete now because he has a role and you could shelter him a little bit on the defensive end to get the offense out of him right now. It, it kind of fits with their strategy so far of we are not... Picking a lane. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's
0: kind of frustrating. Okay, so speaking of not picking a lane, um, I get my Twitter alert, right? I open up my phone. It's Chris Haynes, and it has Siakam's name in it. (laughs) And I'm going, psych, and here we go. Um, The tweet, the gist of the tweet is that Siakam prefers to stay in Toronto and that there would be questions about him re-signing with the team that traded for him, which obviously comes from Siakam's camp and his agent. And it's kind of an atom bomb for the Raptors' mobility come draft time because, yeah, you're signaling to the entire league that this player might, yeah, might not be too thrilled about arriving in a different spot. It's a, And I'm torn on this one. one. One part of me goes, all right, Pascal Siakam wants to be in Toronto. That's something that we here in the city have wanted for a long time is NBA players who want to be here. I don't think it's that foreign anymore. Like I still think there are guys who don't want to play in Toronto, but I think there are more players in the NBA now. And and we've seen this, whether it was with DeRozan staying or Lowry staying, whatever, there has been a, a lengthy track record at this point of guys who are th- more than pleased to be Toronto Raptors, right? World-class organization now has a championship world-class city. It's, It's not perceived the same way as when even Chris Bosh was in the NBA complaining Mm -hmm. about uh, customs, right? People see the upside now. That said, I do have a cynical side to this as well. And I wonder if you felt the cynical side too, Um, which is this is a guy who a year ago had an article released where made it pretty public that he was not pleased not being the man. Like that he wanted to be the guy on the team, that he was happy to be inheriting it from Kyle Lowry. And... Yeah, some of this to me is like, okay, you know that you're going to be able to put up stats here, you know you're going to be the man here, you know you're going to have the 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 ceiling to or the freedom, sorry, to do whatever you want basically offensively. There's going to be a new coach coming in here. You didn't you're not clashing with this guy. You're probably going to have way more power than this guy and unlike Nick Nurse who at least won a championship who, you know, tried to keep you accountable to a certain degree. Like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you want to be here? You can get a max contract. You can have the ball in your hands as much as you want. You can have as much offensive freedom as you want. It can be your team. But can it win if you're that guy? And, and I don't know. This just feels a little... This this doesn't feel as motivated by I want to be here because we can win so much as I want to be here because this is where it's comfortable for me.
1: The comfort thing is is a real factor. It also like Pascal's spoken pretty openly about how important it is for him to like how much he's enjoyed his time here and and connects his entire career to the Raptors in the city of Toronto. And like, I think he would like to go down as like the best Raptor or one of the very best Raptors. I, I think that's a legitimate thing that is important to him. So part of this is the actual truth. I think part of it is also in case something happens, you are playing to the crowd a little bit and making sure the fan base knows that, Hey, I want like a little bit of preemptive PR Here, I think, and then honestly, if you want to get cynical, I don't think that's the area to get cynical about it. Pascal Siakam is extension eligible and the band like it's not a certainty that he's going to get his full max. There is a band of percentages of the cap that him and the Raptors or him and whatever team will be negotiating within. So if you want to take the cynical approach, he makes 28 percent of the cap right now. Maybe this is his way of letting it know, letting other teams know if you acquire me, I'm going to expect that extension to be at a higher at the higher level Mm -hmm. of my max range. Like we're talking closer to you. If you want me to say the right things and commit long term and be open to a trade, it's going to need to be a number on the higher end of the range than maybe it otherwise would be. I think that would be the cynical view of that. Mm -hmm. Just nudging a team like the Hawks, who's maybe very interested of like, yep, that's cool. But. Mm-hmm. This is what the cost this is what the cost is gonna be to get me to get me over there and sign an yeah, extension. Yeah, have me buy in right away.
0: Yeah. I'll say this. This is why I thought it was kind of a silly thing to put out As I went, Okay, so you're gonna get traded, let's just say. You're gonna end up somewhere and you're just like gonna pout. You're gonna, no,
1: it's no. It's, I know, but that's it the, the, the preemptive it's, PR side that's of it, what right? I mean, you,
0: where you're like, okay, what, what, what's gonna happen here? So, you, what you're gonna turn down the money? You're not gonna resign with the team? Yeah, and he doesn't have a no-trade clause, exactly. anything Like that. Like he, it's just. I, I, I did think that the other interesting part of this is that for him to issue that, you gotta feel m- means their camp believed that it was possible he would get dealt. Yeah. Like, that there was some real smoke to the Pascal discussions with Atlanta and maybe even Portland. Enough that Pascal Siakam's, you know, decision makers and him went public with the idea of wanting to remain in Toronto and do that thing. Which I I do think is interesting as we approach the next couple weeks here, which is kind of the next question for you. Now that we're past the draft, do you think that it's a certainty we're just now at a point of... There's no more trades necessarily coming with the core guys. This is now just a matter of re-signing Fred VanVleet or not.
1: I don't think that's necessarily true. Those trades are always... The trades are spicier on draft night because it's the pick, right? It's not the player yet. However, big trades involving max contract kind of guys are easier functionally on July 1st. Like, more teams have cap space, fewer players are under contract. The actual mechanics of making a deal like that become a little easier. It's just if you're dealing with Portland's a bad example, because they got the guy that you would want anyway, Mm -hmm. but say Portland had ended up with Brandon Miller and you don't like Brandon Miller as much as you like the, it's like that. It's like buying a car, right? 20% value decrease. As soon as you drive it off the lot, it's not quite that extreme with a draft pick, but then you're talking about, well, the number three pick could be any of these guys. No, now it's just this guy. Mm -hmm. So it hurts that a little bit, but the actual mechanics cap wise get easier. I don't think it's a, I think it's less likely now that a big trade is coming just because again, draft night and draft week is such a buzzy time for that, but it's also the NBA like things change on a whisper and like things change so quickly. I I really do think though that the way we're headed and the way you and I have kind of felt for a little bit. And I know Michael Grange has felt this way as well. Reading the tea leaves and stuff is like, Mm. yeah, the plan seems to be leaning toward bring things back with the giant asterisk of If Fred Van Vliet is willing to return, Mm -hmm. which is the big unknown right now. And kind of like, even if you felt certain ways about Fred's up and down season, I think everyone knows I'm, I'm a believer in Fred more than the average Raptors person. Um, If he walks, you that is a big ding to your ability to say, well, we should have won 48 games last year and we weren't that far from being a playoff team. If you lose the guy who was an all-star two seasons ago and was your best high volume three-point shooter and your only natural point guard, like the ability to run it back is well, significant point guard. And from an just from a like, even if you don't Say you don't want Fred VanVleet to be a long-term piece. From a purely asset management standpoint, no, a losing a guy of that caliber for nothing or the next to nothing you would get in a sign trade— also pretty notable last night that a couple of the, like, fringier teams, like fringe playoff, fringe contender teams, did some moves that keep them pretty lean for July 1st. The Sacramento Kings, for example, them clearing cap space and paying a late first to get off of Rashawn Holmes's deal, that's maybe about clearing enough space to give Sabonis a bigger extension or something like that. But they are also, like, one small move from having Fred VanVleet money. The mm. Dallas Mavericks kind of used their powder quickly. But you saw with the Davis Bertons trade how quickly a team like that who on paper should be in the market for a guy like Fred can clear the space they need. So the Fred thing for me is still like that is the biggest domino. And if he leaves, I mean, the Raptors can't really play catch up. You can't turn around and then trade Pascal on draft night. No. Um, but yeah, it's I, I would say the Raptors probably wish the draft came after free agency this year. Mm. I uh,
0: the Fred thing is a nightmare because of all the reasons that you just listed, but they just they won't be able to replace him with anything. No, like if you look at the point guard market, the idea that they're going to run back some competitive team and say, well, Scotty's the point guard actually, like that would be the immediate yeah. move, right? Where they go, oh no, Scotty Barnes is the point guard. And you go,
1: okay, but not really. But th- the thing is, like, it's cool to watch and it's yeah. it's fun offense and it's good developmentally for him, but like. You need other guards. The the Fred thing over the last two years has been like, oh, people get like a little annoyed with him or whatever. or think he over dribbles. And then the second Fred is out of the lineup, everyone is like, oh, my God, you need a point guard. And like Scotty can develop into that guy. But again, this is if you are kicking everything down the line and refocusing around the Scotty timeline and things like that, you can stomach that. That's fine. If you are also trying to win 48 games this year and be this year's version of the heat or whatever the point they'll try to sell is. Okay. Uh, you, you probably can't do that without a real point guard. So you find out Fred VanVleet's not coming back. You don't have a point guard that you can sign
0: in free agency. Who says no? The Atlanta Hawks offer Toronto Raptors legend Cody Bufkin. <laughs> Kobe Bufkin. Sorry, what did I say? Cody. Oh, sorry. See, I told you the names. I already gave Kobe. The warning. Kobe. You warning. Know I don't want to be corrected by you, Joe. What are the other guys? My (laughs) apologies. So Kobe Bufkin, he gets put on the table by Atlanta. They say, we'll give you Kobe. We'll give you DeJounte Murray. And we'll throw in both the first round picks that we own in 2024. One is owned by the Sacramento Kings. One is ours for Pascal Siakam, who says no.
1: I mean, the Hawks probably quibble on the the specifics of the picks. Like Mm -hmm. they try to lottery protect some or whatever. But I think, yeah, if Fred is leaving and you can turn... Siakam into what was another lottery pick, and a guy we know the Raptors worked out twice, so they at mm-hmm. least liked him enough to take a second look at him. Um, DeJounte Murray is an I interesting one. I just thought one. that was an interesting little thing that yeah. the Hawks, the team that is most linked to Siakam, yeah. took the guy that the Raptors may have thought was yeah. going to be their pick Here, Here's at their the team. thing, though. The Hawks almost definitely, with their roster construction, try to get you to take... Either John Collins or Clint Capella instead of DeJounte Murray because then they would have – they have so many power forwards. Yeah, yeah. But that's – well, no, no, no. The assumption here is if I'm Masai and Bobby, I'm
0: saying you have to do your own John Collins trade. We're not bringing on John Collins. Because Murray
1: is young enough to still be, hey, there's some upside here. We can build with him. He's also good enough that you could conceivably – like he's heading into the last year of his deal. You could conceivably turn around and trade him if things don't work out, um, sign him to an extension, something like that. He's only 26, so – um, and it, it's like Murray in general, whether that framework or not is an interesting by low to me, like around the league, if Atlanta actually wants to move him, cause he's coming off of a bad year where mm-hmm. some of the shine came off, but like, I will say it, it was like one year before to... that where like every good team wanted DeJounte Murray.
0: Yeah. The, there's a couple things with him too, though, is what is the contract going to look like with DeJounte Murray? Right. He needs a new one. I, I don't know what. Yeah, he's heading into the last
1: year of his deal, so he'll want an extension.
0: Yeah, he's going to want an extension. So you've got to make a decision that you're committing to a guy that hasn't played with your roster mm-hmm. yet. But I just will say that if all of a sudden you basically went from Fred and Pascal to DeJounte Murray and three first-round picks, I don't, I don't know. Plus whatever you I, get back in younger. a Fred sign-and-trade, which is like it, it's... Are you I, convinced that Fred, uh, the sign-and-trade does get done?
1: No, I just I, and this is why I bring is, up teams yeah. like the, the Kings or the Mavs who showed yeah. yesterday... Like it doesn't take a lot. I don't think to... he's going to the Kings if he's going. No, somewhere. I'm just I'm, I use that to highlight how quickly a team can yeah. clear enough caps. Like the Kings could now, if they wanted to, whether for Van Vliet or pick your free agent X, get their way to 30 million in cap space very easily. And yes, it costs them a late first to unload Rashawn Holmes. But if you're a team in a position where signing a Fred Van Vliet makes sense to you, attaching a late first to someone to clear out the cap space, like I'm just pointing out that it's not. You'll see today, you know, places like Spotrack or Bobby Marks or whatever will have the like, here's everyone's updated cap sheet and how much cap space teams have and Mm -hmm. what exceptions or whatever. And there's going to be a giant asterisk hanging over that of like, yeah. And then a bunch of these teams showed you yesterday how quickly you can get into cap space if you need it. And you don't want to have the poor leverage of having to deal in a sign and trade.
0: I thought one of the more shocking things of the draft was that. Um, there was Oklahoma city was willing to take on $12 million to move mm-hmm. up two spots. I went, okay. So I thought we were all in this incredible cap crunch all of a sudden. And now we had a hard cap and that I, I thought what we were going to see was cap space be a little bit more valuable. Like you remember the first NHL trade deadline after the, the flat cap, how all of a sudden it was, Hey, if you're going to trade this player, it's going to cost you a ton of money. And granted it's the NHL different. This is not technically a hard, hard cap, but yeah, money was flying around a little bit more, he, like fluidly than I expected it what, to. Last what
1: night. I'd imagine is, um, first of all, some of the deals that happened yesterday, we don't have every single detail yet. Like, sure, we don't know. Something has to go back for Rashawn Holmes in that pick. We don't know. It was probably it's probably like a top fifty-five protected future second or whatever. But we were missing some details still. So it's possible Oklahoma got a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, th- starting in the new CBA, there are more restrictive penalties for not reaching the salary floor, mm. and Oklahoma City has ninety-nine million committed to 14 players for next year like they were going to need to add salary anyway no they I've I've said before
0: one of their biggest problems is that when they're looking at trades for win now players to piece with this team it's next year impossible because the only contract that they have is Lou Dort right it's a player that they don't want to give up
1: now if they have cap space they can just use they can just absorb a guy into the cap space but yes it's very hard to like say they really wanted Siakam you're like okay well Lou Dort and Chet is the only framework yeah. that like works if you're an above cap team anyway. So I think part of that is maybe motivated by like, hey, we got to get to the cap floor anyway. And if we can rehab even a little bit of Bertons' value and flip them a little later, I don't know. Okay. I was a little surprised too, though.
0: So last thing before you go. Um, Chris Paul gets traded at Golden State. I've obviously been a long term massive fan of Chris Paul. And I'll just say as a huge fan of his, this is a little tough to swallow because Steph Curry is the guy that basically put him in the grave. And now the only way Chris Paul can get a ring is if Steph Curry gets another one. It's it's not perfect. But what do you think of the fit? Just the actual basketball fit. Do you like this trade? Yeah, it's fine. They,
1: okay. they, They've always looked. I mean, we know Steph's not going to play 82 games. We know he's mm-hmm. not going to play 40 minutes a game when he's in there. They have for long stretches look like they need someone to be an actual point guard mm-hmm. when steps out, especially as Draymond starts to at least in the regular season decline a little bit where you're not running as much through him. I also, honestly, I think this deal was given the astronomical tax situation they're in and how, Restrictive the new CBA is going to be in mm-hmm. future years that they're slowly rolling that stuff in. I think this had as much to do with getting out of the Jordan Pool contract as it did to getting Chris Paul. Like like that Jordan Pool contract that's just about to kick in for four years at like mm-hmm. the thirty million or whatever. You turn that into one year of Chris Paul. Um, you know because because the other option available to Golden State was. Let Chris Ball stay on Washington, bet that they eventually work a buyout, or he gets waived, so only half of his money counts, and then you sign him for the minimum. Yeah, I don't think that was ever gonna happen. So because there was, was an asset. And there was so there was always an element of getting off Jordan Poole's money to mm-hmm. this as well as they head into oh, definitely. a bajillion dollars of tax liability in the next couple of years. Definitely. And it is gonna be
0: incredible to watch this rebuilding Washington team <laughs> that just tore their entire team down, tell Jordan Poole,
1: yo. Here's here's the most interesting question though. Yeah, what is it? Well, there's Steph and Clay mm-hmm. and Wiggins, yeah, and Draymond and Looney. They yeah. could start super small, but like
0: I don't think Chris Paul is part of the crunch time lineup.
1: Well, is he part of? This? He's never come off the bench before in his career.
0: No, but he's he's going to. Like, first of all, if you're Chris Paul, you have to recognize that you're six feet tall and you're 38 years old. Is he 38 no. 38. Yeah, correct. he's 38. Yeah, yeah. he's 38. So, like a 38 year old Chris Paul who has been run down pretty much every playoff run. Like the hardest part for me as a Chris Paul fan was watching the Milwaukee series where it just happened at the very end where he just, he got to the finish line and it was over. Like he was cooked by game three and and he just, he couldn't replicate being the same player. I think that the good thing for Paul at this point of his career is, Hey man, you're, you're making the pivot now. Like mm-hmm. you're Gary Payton on the Miami heat.
1: Yeah. Not quite want... Kyle last year with the heat a little no. bit more than that, a little bit more responsibility, yeah. but that kind of place in the pecking order. You are Gary Payton on the Miami heat. He was done at
0: that point of his career. He made one of the biggest shots in the NBA finals for the Miami Heat. That's what you're hoping for from Chris Paul. And guess what? It was a mid-range shot for for Gary. And that's what you're hoping for from Chris Paul is that he's going to spell a couple of minutes. He's like you said it. He's going to be able to pick up your offense. And you know what else Chris Paul is really good for if you're a Golden State fan? He's going to play with a lot of these young guys Mm -hmm. in those bench units. And all of a sudden...
1: Kaminga is going to get so many lobs.
0: Kaminga and Moody and all of the younger guys that they try to shuffle through the bench lineups with a 38-year-old Chris Paul, those guys are going to basically be getting an education in how to play proper basketball. And so I actually like the... The, the fit. Mm-hmm. People were really criticizing and panning it and going, well, how does this make you better? Whatever. And can Chris Paul end up being a corner three-point shooter or a catch-and-shoot three-point guy? Because that's what's what it's going to look like. I'm like, I'm not really concerned about the fit with the the main
1: Warriors because I also, just don't think he's going to play in the most meaningful minutes also, with the main Warriors. Also, guess what part of the floor is wide open when you have Steph and Clay yeah, exactly. shooting threes. The mid-range area is, like, it's been something that if Draymond had developed, like, if Draymond could have developed, like, a David West 15-foot jumper, mm-hmm. he would have averaged 100 points a game once one of these yeah. years, Um, Gary Payton, by the way, played 24 minutes a game in the playoffs for that yeah. heat team after being like a, like the year prior, he was like a 33, 34 minute a game guy.
0: Still. Buddy that not Miami heat team will always be very special in my heart because three guys that I grew up really liking got rings on that team, white chocolate, uh, Gary Payton and, uh, who was th- Shaquille O'Neal? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> well, I did love Shaq. I'm just blanking on
1: my, my guy. <laughs> I was the no, only no, one I'm blanking on Very uh, special.
0: No, 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 I'm blanking on Celtics guy who, Antoine Walker. Yes. I, I just couldn't get off Jameson. That's the thing. Mm. I didn't want to say it was like Jameson James. I it had stuck in my head, man. And my first computer video game that I ever had was I think NBA 98. And it had him on the cover, and I used to play with the Celtics a lot because he was the cover player. So I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. So, yeah, three guys, Walker, and Walker was big at that point, yeah. uh, White Chocolate, and GP. They all got rings on that Heat team, yeah. who kind of stole that, by the way, because of flopping and bad refs, but it's fine.
1: <laughs> a name on that team, Danielle, I, I bet loved was Wayne Simeon. Wayne Simeon? Yeah. Wow. Another Kansas guy. Oh. It was
0: in 98 then. Uh, it's That's a PlayStation game, though. This was a, the EA Sports game.
1: Mm. That That is...
0: That's the, okay, yeah. So then go back a year, or go forward a year, Joe. Um, anyway, all right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll do Botano Best Pet. Yesterday, horrific beat, horrific beat. Just Shane McClanahan getting hurt. Thanks, yeah. Shane. Anyways, Blake Murphy, thank you for your time. Uh, more next. The fan. 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 I still believe that books should refund you for injuries. We're not quite there yet Betano did but they've got a really cool new feature where you can watch games live on the app which i love like you know just being able to drop in drop in a little watch <laughs> your bet probably lose <laughs> like, watch your bet not prob- in your case though you've been hot. well yeah but the no but yesterday yesterday yeah but Bad yesterday day. McLainahan takes a man. I'm like Royals. This is going to be sweet. And then all of a sudden, I just see. I didn't even. I wasn't even watching it because obviously it was like getting ready for the draft. Mm-hmm. And then I just saw the Roto Wire thing come across of. Oh, he's left the game with a back injury. And I was like, thanks, Shane. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, there's that. That's where you just feel cheated. You just feel cheated. As well. It's the same thing when there's there's fewer things that are worse than a guy having to leave with an injury from a sports betting standpoint. The other one is just simply when the guy needs just a couple of extra yards in football and he runs out of bounds. Mm, it's like yeah. late in the game and you're hoping like for that one, those couple more yards, mm-hmm. guy gets a catch and you're like, go, go, go. Yeah. Or you start doing the math near the end zone where you're like, wait. How many yards? How many yards? This? And then they make a catch. You, they catch a touchdown pass. So they rush one in mm-hmm. and you're scrambling to the app going
1: check, check how many yards. How officially many
0: yards it yards does this officially get? <laughs> They can put it as like a half yard. As you need the swing. <laughs> I think that's why, part of the reason why we need the chip in the ball is for our sports better mm. so that we can avoid the horrific loss and Fantasy have the round scoring. Yeah, I ugh, devastating stuff. Okay, so yeah, we have to go back to baseball tonight and we're going to try another first five under because Cleveland is hopeless against left-handed pitching this year and Wade Miley has been really good three twenty-eight ERA. Not a massive strikeout guy, but yeah, I, they're just, they're not able to do it there. I think, let me look up here quickly. And Cleveland this season has been 24th and on-base percentage, 24th in on-base percentage against left-handed pitching. They're one of the worst teams in all of baseball. And then you've got Shane Bieber on the mound for the Cleveland Guardians, who I'm a pretty big fan of and is a pretty reliable, not only strikeout artist but just someone who makes sure that, yeah, doesn't end up getting dominated. And, yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers have not been exactly the most convincing team in baseball this year. And so, yeah, I like this one. That's my first five under. That is my best bet of the day. Milwaukee Brewers, first five under. Milwaukee Brewers and Cleveland Guardians. I'm still not getting used to them being called the Cleveland Guardians. I'm wondering when I will get there. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me of what it is. I assume it's 3.5, or I think it was 3.5 when I looked at it this morning. But that that's the best bet for today. We're going to get back on track, hopefully no injuries, hopefully no absolute blow-up innings, but that's the one for me today. Anyways, before we wrap up the show today, just want to close on a couple of yeah other NBA thoughts that I had. It was kind of a boring draft yesterday. It was pretty underwhelming, I thought. I was really hoping to see... Yeah, at least one big-ticket trade, and then all of a sudden Woj is coming on saying, hey, Zion was never really offered. hmm Woj buried Shams multiple times last night. Shams kept ruining the draft on Twitter. By the way, Woj, who said he wasn't going to ruin the <laughs> draft on Twitter, did all of a sudden start to jump on and announce some picks. I I did notice later in the night. I was kind of staying off Twitter because I knew Shams was doing it. But, yeah, you're kind of looking at it. It would be refreshing every once in a while to go, hey, is there a trade that's being rumored here? But. Mm-hmm. It ends up going pretty chalky. Yeah. Charlotte takes Brandon Miller. Scoot goes three. Nobody moves in for him. The Raptors don't make a trade. Zion doesn't move. Mm -hmm. We're still waiting on whatever's going to happen with Damian Lillard. It still does feel inevitable that he's going to be a member of the Miami Heat at some point. But yeah, like there's a way to spin this, right? Like I heard you guys talking before the show. Austin's talking about how hey, uh, you weren't impressed by the Chris Paul trade? It's Chris Paul. It's like the names sounded good that have moved over this last little period, right? Because you could go, oh, it's Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And it's Chris Porzingis who had 20 Bradley plus Beal. points. It, it, Bradley Beal. And a f- defensive player of the year and Jordan Poole. And you go, you look at it all and say, all right, so it's a 38-year-old point guard who just has a, a really tough contract and is getting bounced around. Mm-hmm. It's Jordan Poole who is a volume shooter who doesn't play any defense and couldn't stick on... His team. Also a
1: really tough contract.
0: Yeah. Chris Taps-Prazingas, who is also injury-prone center, who's been, I would say, uh, exceeded expectations and then underwhelming in some spots, joining the Boston Celtics. And that's a fun trade for them. And then, yeah, Marcus Smart, a guy who kind of ran his course with the Boston Celtics after a really long time where they weren't able to get a championship. And his role was probably a little oversized. So, yeah, it was just... Some decent names, nothing overly crazy. I don't think that the balance of the NBA has shifted too much. Again, even with the Bradley Beal trade, that was just okay. But yeah, I was expecting at least one big splashy move that we were going to go, holy crap, that was completely unexpected. And so far, nothing really unexpected in the NBA. So hopefully, as we approach free agency here, um, things start to shift a little bit more. And the stuff that Blake mentioned about teams opening up some cap space Mm -hmm. and moving some stuff around, that that's going to end up yeah, resulting in some some more action, some more interesting action. Anyways, I forgot to close the read. That was Best Bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, my favorite sportsbook, the only sportsbook that I use, and one that, yeah, more and more every single day, you guys are reaching out to me in the DMs, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, at JDBunkus, uh, telling me that, yeah, you're really enjoying the book, and keep doing that, because I, yeah, hit me up anytime in those spots. Uh, Botano, the game starts now. Anyways, I'm not going to do podcasts today. Got to fly. Next week, we're loaded. NHL draft right before free agency. We're getting a little bit more back into hockey now. Well, NBA rumors, too. We're sprinkling in. We're working on some, some cool stuff for next week. Anyways, thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. Do all those nice things, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy your weekend.